Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Hope you all enjoyed Thanksgiving yesterday. By the way, it appears the Bongino rule strikes again with what happened the other day. Uh, I warned you, you got to wait 72 hours before drawing conclusions. So there you go. Strikes again. I'm really looking forward to this show. Uh, you probably know Henner Gracie. His family is legendary, the Gracie family. They're experienced with self-defense, mixed martial arts. There's just, they're peerless in the actual sense of the word. I'm going to get to him in a second. We're going to go over to the self-defense show with some helpful tips. By the way, if you can get away from these situations, do. Do not get into a fight in the street. This is only if you have absolutely no other way out of this stuff. This is going to be an important show. I promise you're going to love it. Hey, you want to discover the incredible benefits of a good night's sleep? It's time to embrace the importance of restful slumber and introduce yourself to an amazing product that could revolutionize your nighttime routine. Beam Dream is a game changer. I love it. I use it. Their Dream Powder is a hot cocoa design specifically for sleep. It could transform your nights like it has mine. And today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their best-selling hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious flavors like flavors like cinnamon cocoa, chocolate peanut butter, mint chip. Better sleep is never tasted better. Dream contains a powerful, all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, apigenin, and melatonin to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk. That's how I use it. And enjoy before bedtime. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of the biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Bongino and use code cyber at checkout. That's shop, B-E-A-M, shopbeam.com slash Bongino. Use code cyber for up to 50% off your body and mind. Deserve the gift of restful nights. Our next sponsor, ladies and gentlemen, Bone Charge. I use these products. These crazy times, we got to recharge and refresh in a natural way. To that end, I discovered Bone Charge, a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize life in every way. One of my favorite products from Bone Charge is the infrared sauna blanket. I use it two to three times a week. Helps me ease stress and unwind after a crazy day. The sauna blanket helps me break a sweat, which can help remove some heavy metals and other toxins. It sets up in less than a minute, heats fast. I relax, read, check out my phone, get, do 30, 40 minute sessions. I kid you not, the sauna blanket from Bone Charge is a game changer for me. Bone Charge ships worldwide. The sauna blanket ships, uh, ships free with no hidden cost. Plus, Bone Charge offers a 30 day free trial with easy returns or exchanges and a 12 month warranty. Relax, revitalize, and refresh with Bone Charge and the sauna blanket. This holiday season, Bone Charge is offering a massive 25% off site-wide. Head to Bone Charge, B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E, BoneCharge.com, and the 25% off code will be auto-applied to your entire order. Hurry while supplies last. All right, without further ado, I'd like to introduce a good friend to me, a good friend to the show, a absolute master of self-defense, comes from a family that has probably done more to revolutionize uh, the business of self-defense than any other family in America, uh, our friend Henner Gracie. Henner, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks, Dan. Great to be with you here and uh, excited to talk about some self-defense concepts. I feel like it's uh, better to know it and not need it than, right. um, than to need it and not know it. It's one of those things. So happy to be here with you today. Well, listen, you did some segments on my prior Fox show. They were always rated highly because you're a great explainer of how, sadly, fighting, uh, I wish it were easy and it were like the movies, Henner, where this burst of adrenaline happens and you get mugged and 
Chuck Norris style. You kick 10 guys in the head and it's like, oh my gosh, look, I got these. You see it in the movies all the time. Henner is a guy who's, I mean, lived, quite literally lived the fighting lifestyle, you and your family. Just generally speaking, before we get into some videos and having been in professional fights, fights on the street, you know as well as I do, that's not the real world. That you, fighting's a skill, just like baseball. You either practice it or you're going to suck at it. Yeah, not only is it not, not only is that not realistic, there's another concern here, Dan, which is the distances at which fights are fought in the movies are a lie, right? This idea that two people stand there and they trade punches and kicks and snappy, flashy <laughs> kicks and spinning techniques, and then someone lands the perfect knockout and down they go, that's not real. What's real is a couple guys, someone spits on someone, someone disrespects someone's family, push comes to shove, one guy swings, the other guy gets cracked, the other guy grabs a hold of them, they together they trip and they fall onto the ground. And then on the ground, it shows you have this wrestling tumble and neither one of them know what to do because they fell for Hollywood for so many years. So what the Gracie family has done is really redefined the distance from which fights are fought for real. And then when my father created the UFC in 1993 and put Brazilian jiu-jitsu on television, along with my uncle Hoist, everyone was kind of put on notice and said, look, this is what real fights look like. When one person grabs the other person and the fight goes to the ground, Whoever knows what they're doing in that tumble wins, and whoever doesn't know literally drowns in the fight. You drown in the fight as much as someone drowns in a pool or in a lake who doesn't know how to swim. That's the difference between knowing self-defense, especially jujitsu-based self-defense, and not. That is so well said. Uh, Henner, let's get right to it. This is a, a gentleman you and I both know and respect. Our good friend, Matt Serra. Matt Serra is a uh, noted black belt in uh, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, he, he was uh, under Henzo and worked with Rodrigo, uh, family members of yours as well. Matt was also a UFC champion. Matt is a very skilled ground fighter. This video, I'm starting out because it's the easiest one to explain, Henner. Something goes down in a restaurant in Las Vegas. Matt happens to be there. There's an out-of-control guy, appears to be a little bit intoxicated. And as you can see, as Guy plays the video here, Matt has to calm this guy down. Now, Matt, whether he outweighs this guy or not, I don't know, but Matt's very calm. You're watching the video. What's the first thing you know? We can stop and wind this video back. What's the first thing you see watching this right here? Well, the first thing I notice is that Matt is not fighting a guy in my, I don't know what happened before this, but one thing that jujitsu empowers us to do is to put out fires that have nothing to do with us. So my assumption, it could be incorrect, but my assumption is that this guy was belligerent in the store, causing problems for other people. And then Matt probably went in there and said, hey man, don't do X, Y, or Z. And the guy got belligerent again. Matt takes him down and puts out this fire because he's capable of doing that. And you notice Matt's not throwing a single strike. He's right. simply controlling the subject from the mount. This is called the mount. And I'm happy to demonstrate some of the concepts here with my colleague, uh, Cameron, but he's controlling the subject's wrists as well. And one other thing that's worth noting, and when, I don't know if you guys can hear the audio, but if you can't, what Matt was saying to the security guard right there, Dan, was he was saying, look, I'm going to let him go, but are you ready to take over? Oh <laughs> because Matt knows that this security guard, which himself doesn't look in the best of shape and almost always are completely untrained. So Matt knows, he's like, yo, I'm gonna hand this guy off to you, but are you ready to control him? Because the security guard was telling Matt to get off. And all Matt is saying, listen, if I get off, he's gonna get off. Are you ready to take over? And the security star says, yes, get off. And if the, if the tape continues, if he wants to keep rolling the tape, the guy gets right back to his feet. Look at this. 
And he gets right back up. No one has control of him now. So literally Matt's control when he was trying to help put out this fire, the security guard can do nothing. Now, if the guy starts swinging again, that security guard is not prepared. And I can't tell you, Dan, how many times uh, students of ours have taken down individuals in altercations and use of force situations. And when the police show up, our students say to the police, I'm going to alleviate my control on him, but I don't want to do it unless you're ready. So I'll move this chair out of the way here and Dan, uh, Cameron will come on in so we can show this position. This is called the mount. So Cameron is down. So for all of the viewers and all the listeners, the mount is when the top person has knees on either side of the bottom person's hips. And what Matt was doing was he had double wrist control. The reason why he did this is, is he wanted to be able to survey the crowd, talk to everyone, look around, make sure everyone's safe, still address the subject and make sure that this person couldn't go for the groin or for the eyes. So a very skilled grappler can sit up with their knees on either side of the hips like this, look with their knees controlling and the hands controlled. And Matt literally is riding here and he's the guy's like bumping and turning and moving a little bit. And Matt has no trouble just maintaining the mount right here. Now, if the bottom person was much, much stronger and they were going much more aggro than this kind of belligerent subject that was in the restaurant there, the better way to control from the mount, if you have to have more control against someone larger, instead of sitting up, because against someone much larger, he might bump and push me off, go. And I might fall off to the side like that. So to avoid that, Dan, what we want to do instead is go chest to chest, hug the neck, and insert the hooks. Look at my legs, Dan. Do you see how my knees touch my knees, Cameron? Show them how my knees are floating. Look at my knees, you guys. They're floating off the ground. So all my weight's on Cameron's hips, and I'm hugging his neck. If I just lay on Cameron without my hooks, look, he can push my hips away and bump me right off. The key here, Dan, is that my legs go under Cameron's, look, inside, and I'm driving both feet to the sky while simultaneously hugging his neck. Now if Cameron tries to bench press me, there's no way. And all the pressure's on his abdomen. He'll try for 10, 15 seconds, and then he starts to feel the pressure and stops. He's like, man, okay, I give up, I surrender. Then I would loosen up my hip pressure, go to my knees, and only then would I sit up in control. And to be honest, because we didn't see what happened in the beginning of Matt's video, we don't know if Matt did this first and then sat up after depleting the energy of the subject, or if Matt mounted and went straight to high control. We call this kind of a high mount where you're sitting up and postured here versus more of a low mount that gives you more control, but doesn't give you the ability to see your surroundings as much. Any thoughts about that, Dan? Any questions? Yeah, yeah I got a couple of questions. So we're talking to a, a lot of untrained folks. Yeah, now, Henner, you you make this look easy. I mean, you have been doing this forever. And your ability to partition your body weight, it's almost instinct by now. So the way I watched you manipulate the hips. So I want to emphasize to the audience, this is the kind of thing, although Henner made it look easy, you have got to practice this. It looks simple. But when you watched Henner do there, uh, when, when you see when he puts the hooks in, you're going to see his hips changing pressure. He's developed a feel through the years, almost like riding a bike for what the pressure from the bottom feels like too. What I'm getting at is I heard it simply stated one time, Henner, and uh, tell me if you agree. Someone said, listen, if I had to just say one thing to people untrained, it's he who controls the hips controls the fight. And when your hips are on top of his, you're, you're sensing it, these pressure changes and making these micro changes, but that only comes with training, correct? It absolutely does. But I'll tell you what, Dan, even though, like anything, the longer you do it, the more effective you'll become. But I think jujitsu became so famous so quickly um, yeah. all over the world, not only because of its proven effectiveness in the octagon, but also because of the ease with which people can use it. So anyone right. who's watching right now, listeners, 
If you're listening, get to the Rumble. This is the most viewable episode ever in the history of the Dan Bongino show. So get to Rumble, <laughs> watch the actual episode so you can see what we're showing right now. This is literal gold. So what I would say is this, literally have one member of the family lay down. Okay, make sure you're healthy enough to practice martial arts. Ask your doctor, if not, disclaimer, blah, blah, blah. But one person lay down with their knees bent, just like Cameron is right here, legs up, legs down. Top person, go on your knees, hands out wide on the mat, both hands. And then literally drop your pelvis into their abdomen. Look, and take both of your feet. Let's rotate, Cam. Take both of your feet, look. And I'm going to put them together, and then I'm going to drive them to the sky. And you'll know you're doing it right if you can take your hands off the ground. Rotate back. Look, if I can take my hands off the ground, <laughs> where's my weight, you guys? It's all on my hips. Now that my hands are burden-free, what I'm going to do is hug the neck with one hand. So this is my neck hug. So now I have hip pressure and I have a neck hug. We can rotate this way a little. And we're good to go. Now, the only thing to make this even more dynamic is if Cameron rolls, if Cameron pushes me straight up on the hips, he can't. I'm unbench pressable. But if he rolls to the side, I might get rolled off, even though I have my hooks in. Let's go back. So what's amazing, you guys, is check this out. From the neck hug and the hand out and my hooks are in, whenever Cameron chooses a side, watch what I do. I open the knee on the same side. So I remove that hook and I open it. But I leave my other hook in place. So as Cameron goes the other way, watch what I do. Two, other side. Three, other side, four, five, boom. So if you see it from the rear, check it out. So I start with both hooks in. When Cameron chooses a side, slow, one. So I still have this hook and I have my kickstand over here. When he switches, two, three, four. And in fact, this is so powerful, Dan, that watch this. I'm gonna take my hand and put it behind my back. So now I have one neck hug, no base hand, and two hooks, choose a side cam, one. Two, three, four, five. And Cameron's tired. Tell him the truth, Cameron. That's uh, exhausting. I'm it's tired just watching. It affects, his breathing. Yo, it affects his breathing. He can't breathe that well. And yeah, he's down there like, yo, get off me. And he's burning yeah. energy the entire time. So this is my point, Dan. When you learn jujitsu, you don't have to break your opponent. Like break the arm, break the face. No. With jujitsu and techniques like this, we simply break the opponent's will to fight. Yeah, That's yeah. what I'm after, Dan. I don't want to hurt yeah. anybody permanently. Yeah, just like yeah. Matt in that, in that restaurant in Las Vegas. Matt didn't want to pummel the guy. He wanted to break that guy's will to fight so that that guy was no longer a threat of safety to himself or to any other civilians. Yeah. And one thing, I, I'm glad you actually checked me on that. I, I don't mean it. To, I didn't mean it to sound to the people at home and frustrate you and say, oh, my gosh, I got to grapple for 15 years to do what he just did. No, honestly, folks, in a good afternoon, you can learn how to pretty effectively mount. I'm just saying you got to get out there and actually do it. And he's showing you how to do it. And he's absolutely right. If you're healthy enough to do it, you're not hurt. And you got someone willing to help you out. You can try these techniques. And in an afternoon, be reasonably confident enough that if you had to use it, you can implement it. One more point on that video, Henner. Uh, I, I, my takeaway from it is Matt's really calm in that. But he's not calm by accident. He's calm because he trains. When you train this stuff, just like you'd be nervous if you got up against Roger Clemens and he's throwing you a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. You're one of the greatest grapples in the world. You'd be like, oh, shit, I don't want to get hit, right? But no one in the major leagues gets nervous, though. It's the same thing about fighting. Matt wasn't nervous because he trains all the time. And when you see him here, the reason the guy in the bottom's freaking out and he's not is because he's practicing and you just gave them some good tips to practice. And that's why you're not sucking wind right now. You do this all the time. That's a great point. Yeah. And you know what this boils down to when we talk about, um, you know, kind of the, the, the neurological component of this, 
when we are calm and in control, we are activating our prefrontal cortex. We're operating from within our prefrontal cortex, which is the rational decision-making part of our brain. Calm, rational decision, if, then, equations make sense to us. What happens, uh, Dan, is that when we experience what's called the amygdala hijack, right, where the survival part of our brain takes over, that's when all hell breaks loose. And at that point, we're fight or flight, so we're literally just trying to make it and survive a situation. Now, Matt's opponent was probably suffering in amygdala hijack, was having a hijacked moment where he was not in a calm, rational decision-making part of his brain, whereas Matt remained activated in, his, in control of his prefrontal cortex. So the difference in those two is, and the prerequisite to maintain prefrontal cortex is to have a perceived or actual sense of control over your environment. So to say that Matt remained calm, the answer is yes. The reason Matt remained calm is because that environment was so familiar that he felt in control of the other person and of his surroundings. There was nothing about that that caused fight or flight for Matt. That was simply another day at the office. It just happened to be on harder floor and not the mats that he was used to. Now, his opponent probably hasn't been pinned on his back by a grown man right. since forever, since he was right. a child. So he may not be familiar with that. So he's panicking and Matt's able to stay calm, negotiate, and be totally chill. So the goal for everyone, Dan, should be to learn enough jujitsu such that in an altercation, a physical altercation, that is familiar to them. Because if it's familiar, that means that there's a perceived sense of control. And if they're in control, they can operate from within their prefrontal cortex, which is safer for them and safer for any other persons that they are intervening with or against. No, absolutely right. Uh, Henry, this one's quick. Uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this one, but I use it a lot on my show. You train a lot of police officers. Matter of fact, I, I think we met at the Secret Service Academy. I think he rolled through like the entire class. Folks, I'm not even kidding. He, there were like 40 agents and he's like, yeah, we're going to roll. And, and he's like, no, no, with the whole class. Like he went through the whole class. They were all fresh. I was like, this guy's crazy. By like, I thought he'd be tired by agent 40, uh, but he wasn't. He was still tapping people out. But this one's a pretty simple one. Uh, it's a real tragic incident. A guy's coming home uh, in L.A. A couple of people jump the fence. They're armed. He's caught in what we call in law enforcement, a fatal funnel. Obviously, if you're getting into a situation uh, with a gun, you want to get away. You don't want to get shot. We get that. However, this guy's got no choice. He's walking down an alleyway into his house and a couple of gunmen. I'm going to play the video. Uh, thoughts on this. Hold on. Surveillance video shows a masked intruder with a gun run up to this mid-city man about to walk in his front door. The homeowner pulls out his gun to defend himself, firing shots at the two intruders quickly entering a shootout. So, Henner, quickly on this one, the, my takeaway from this, again, if you could get away, get away. Unfortunately, he's in this funnel here. These human beings have this natural instinct with the eyes. There's nothing you can do. Matter of fact, in the Secret Service, we had a thing called the dead check. If you wanted to make sure the bad guy was dead, the quickest way to do it is to poke him in the eye. Because if, you, if you're faking dead, you're still going to protect your eye and blink, right? So I, I noticed in this thing that the guy has a cup of coffee and whether he does it on purpose or not, I'm unsure, but you'll see he turns and throws it and the guy naturally flinches buying him a few seconds uh, to engage with his own firearm. Your, your general thoughts on this one. Well, when I, yeah, I love this. I mean, I don't even know, like you said, if he did it on purpose or not, but just flash the coffee. I mean, really it's just, you're setting up a distraction to create a reaction, right? This is called the creation principle in jujitsu. You do something to get a reaction to create an advantage for yourself. So 
This is a very much of a, of a survival life or death situation. It was beautiful that he did that. But for me, what comes, you know, listen, when I see a video like this, I'm reminded of the times because I'll do a ton of breakdowns and self-defense tutorials and I show a bunch of things. And in the comments, as we know, Dan, we always get the people who say, yeah, jujitsu is great, but you know, I'll just shoot him. I just carry a gun. I carry a gun. I carry a gun. And my response is typically, you know, 99% of situations for self-defense or boundary setting or physical threats are not firearm related situations, right? And in many cases, using a firearm would be overkill, especially if you're trained in jujitsu. But when I see a situation like this, you know, it, it just, it really makes me happy to see that at a time where the solution to this was to fight firearm with firearm, he was armed. And just what a, what a, what a, what a life-saving reality that was for this man and his family who was inside that house. So, you know, the fact that this guy was carrying at that time and was able to return fire and scare the living heck out of these guys. I don't know if he connected with one of them or both of them, but, um, you know, my hat's off to him. I'm happy for him. He's Okay. You know, at this in this situation, the good guy survived because he was carrying a gun, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, they won't be coming back to that house. Let's jump to the next video. I'll take a quick break after that, and we'll get to a couple more. This one is about improvised weapons. This one was uh, submitted by your team. I looked at it. I think that I don't know what you're going to say on this, so I'm actually as excited about this as you are. Here's a video. We're going to see a montage here of people with weapons on the street, bat to the back of the head. Uh, extending the stick there with none but this guy's got some kind of like chair, a chair here. That's a chair. A chair. What? What is this? Here, this here? guy's carrying a chain. This guy's kept a swinging ch a chain towards this officer. You got a chain on this guy. Crazy uh, situations. Yeah, we got the baseball bat one, which yeah, so I've seen a thousand times. I'm pretty sure that was in New York. Um, I, I'm again. I'll just tell you quick what I take from this, and I don't know where you're going with this, so I'm excited about your take too. Hey, anytime you can lengthen the stick. You know, you, you do it, but let's see, you know, that anything you could do to lengthen your weapons out there is going to be dangerous. Your thoughts on these videos and what the general public can learn from these. Sure. And, and the reason, you know, that montage, there's a chain, there's a chair, there's a baseball bat. We have this little uh, stick right here that we use here just for training weapon. Um, but what I was going to show here with Cameron, if you guys want to push in, is this idea that when someone is using any kind of heavy, that's a chair, by the way, that he's swinging the yellow objects. Right. It's an actual folding chair, like WWE style. And what I wanted to draw out on these, uh, Dan, is the idea that anytime someone is using a heavy object, right, we'll call it a chain, a baseball bat, a chair, we're not talking about edge weapon and we're not talking about a firearm, right? We're talking about a swinging a heavy object. Obviously, it can be dangerous, but there are also challenges with swinging a heavy object in that as much as you have to put energy into swinging it, if you don't connect the momentum of that object puts it out of use, out of function for quite some time before you recycle, reload, and then make use of it again. So these weapons are always used in cycles, whereas a knife, there's no cycle. There's just like threading that you're just, you're punching in there and it's very fast and very dangerous. So with a heavy object, I always feel like when I see these videos of people getting attacked with them, that they're not as dangerous as we might think is my mindset. Because if you manage the distance, you manage the damage. Now, for Cameron, do a very slow motion swing right here, Cameron. Look, freeze right there, freeze. This right here, Dan, is the one distance from which this, let's call it a baseball bat, is dangerous, okay? This is the one distance. If he reloads again, and I'm right here, go ahead, swing. It's useless, and if he swings again, go ahead, and I go here, it's also useless. So once you understand that a heavy object like this has one critical distance of impact. You could really use that to shape your response. 
Now, in those videos, especially in the chair one, we saw this guy getting hit, you know, with the chair over and over again because every time he was getting hit, he was not controlling the distance. But what our objective needs to be when dealing with, yeah, you'll see it here. Every time he gets hit in the head, look, now he's getting up and chasing it again and again and again. And the problem is he's at the tip of that striking zone, that critical danger zone. Right. He remains at that range the whole time because he's predictably moving. So what I recommend in situations like this, if someone has a bat, go ahead, swing. I want to go out and then I want to go in and close the distance. And then we have options to get the person to the ground. Now, here's what's interesting, Dan. Once you have someone with a heavy object like a bat or a chain or even a chair, once we're on the ground, it, the object is completely useless. In fact, it's probably more of a liability for Cameron <laughs> Then it is an asset, like a bat, baseball bat. I would just feed this behind his neck. Look, hit me with the stick. He can't. Now I step over, and now I'm striking him potentially. Or I can, of course, go for an arm bar and take control of the situation. Drop the weapon. Drop the weapon. And now I take control, and he has nothing. I can hyperextend his elbow or do whatever else. But let's go back one more time. So there's two times to enter on a heavy object. One is right after they swing it. But for that to be possible, I have to be here. He has to swing, and I have to clear it. And right when he clears, I dive in and I lock over and I close the distance and I follow him in. The other option, let's say we have the attacker and they're stalking us. They're stalking us, but they're not committing to the swing. So if I'm back here and I feel Cameron kind of stalking and he's not committing, I have to rush in right here. So that if he does swing now, swing, it's too close. There's no power because we're so close. Rotate here. And then we can, of course, take the fight to the ground using any number of takedowns. So the point is, Dan... All you have to know is you want to be out or in. And I think that the general public, when they hear of a baseball bat, what they're thinking is, oh, no, it's a bat. I have to get away and back up. And imagine if someone has a bat and I'm backing up over here um, and, and cool, follow us in over here. So let's say he's swinging. I'm backing up and he's hitting me. Boom, I'm backing up and I hit the wall. Now I'm at the – no, no. All they need to know is that safety is here. You have to go in. Right, you have to get into the clinch and close the distance. And I feel like America and for the world in general, when it comes to self-defense, everyone intuitively is aware that distance is safe, get away. What the world is not aware of is that in many ways, closeness is equally safe if you know what you're doing. And for people who don't know that closeness is an option, they always get stuck in the corner. They always continue as repeated hits. They're trying to get away, but they can't because there's confined space potentially. And now they're at the end of that striking zone the entire time. This is true for punches. It's true for baseball bats. It's true for chains. It's true for chairs. All the way out or all the way in. And time that entry so that you're not at the end of that impact zone. Uh, just a general thought. I mean, again, absolutely incredible uh, instructional advice, Henner. Uh, you said something really key there. You know, that actually becomes an impediment when you close the distance, because especially a baseball bat, if you're gripping it with both hands, because now you know where both of his hands are. They're on the bat. So he's not punching you because he's trying to hold the darn bat. I mean, that's the kind of thing. If you're not at the end of that stick, which the physics of dictates is the most dangerous spot, like you said, that actually does become an impediment for them. As a matter of fact, it's, it's just odd because I really didn't know what you were going to say today. I'm looking forward to this, like I said, like anyone else. Um, I saw a video today of a guy, he gets out of a truck because he can't fight, and he pulls out an AR-15, never intending to shoot it, thankfully. But what winds up happening, Henner, he gets it taken from him on the ground. A guy rips it out of his hands 
And he, yeah, and it was the exact same thing you just did on the ground with that stick. I'm going to take a quick break. I've got two more important videos. And then I do want to get something in about you have a great line of stuff. And then I just for something for the women I'd like to do um, as well. Quick break. We'll be right back with Henner. Hey, Mike Lindell is always looking for ways to solve everyday problems. You ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store? And then when you go to use it, it doesn't actually like, you know, dry you and stuff. That's why my pillow is developed in my pillow towels. These towels are incredibly soft and they actually work. The six-piece set has 100% long staple Sherpa cotton. It's a combed ring-spun cotton that makes the towel softer and more absorbent than ever. Towels that actually dry you. Right now, you can receive a six-piece set for only $29.98 with promo code DAN. Go to MyPillow.com right now. Click on the radio podcast special. That's MyPillow.com. Click on the radio podcast specials. You get this incredible deal on the best towels you will ever use. Get this amazing offer of only $29.98 and a six-piece set of MyPillow towels. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast specials, enter promo code DAN, or call 800-637-4982, 800-637-4982. That's MyPillow.com, promo code DAN. And our last sponsor, our friends at GenuCell, been a good sponsor for us for a long time. It's Christmas and holiday season, time for gift giving, parties with friends and family, and getting compliments everywhere you go and looking years younger, thanks to GenuCell skincare. From now until Christmas, GenuCell Skincare's most popular package is better than 70% off at GenuCell.com. Treat yourself and a loved one to the absolute best skincare in the world. See those troubling forehead wrinkles, fine lines, skin redness, pesky bags, and puffiness. And yes, even a sagging jawline disappear right before your eyes with GenuCell Skincare's most popular collection. With its immediate effects, see results in less than 12 hours, guaranteed, or your money back. It's a great holiday gift, ladies and gentlemen. Paula loves GenuCell. So does my mother-in-law. Trust me on this one. Plus, and do, I include it in every most popular package is your free hyaluronic acid serum for skin hydration that will restore your youthful appearance. Visit GenuCell.com slash Dan. Enter my special code Dan for an additional 10% off your entire order. Every order today is instantly upgraded to free express shipping. That's GenuCell.com slash Dan. G-E-N-U-C-E-L. GenuCell.com slash Dan. Thanks, GenuCell. All right, folks, back to the show with the great Henner Gracie. This has been wonderful so far, Henner. I never know with these specials how these things are going to go, and there's nothing better than when a plan comes into place, and you always bring it. So let's go to the next video we talked about so far. Mount position, control on the ground, importance of carrying a firearm, improvised weapons in the street. This is a a video from an NBA fight. What your takeaway is going to be, I don't know. I got some thoughts on it, but I always take a subordinate position to you on this stuff. Let's take a look at the video. Check this out. Here we go. Fight breaks out. Look at this. That Draymond Greeley. Oh, oh, he's going right for the neck there. There we go. Typical street fight situation. Everybody loves going for that headlock behind the front, the choke. Everybody's trying to break it up. The worst thing possible in these things. Looks like a melee. Hey, we see it again, a different angle, right for that neck. Got to protect that brain bucket. You know, Henry, once the computer goes down, we're all screwed. So, ooh, look, he's got some kind of choke. Is that, man, he may know what he's doing. <laughs> Henry, your thoughts on this NBA fight? This thing went well, viral the other day. I had gotten a look at it. What are your takeaways from this? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, but just, just to be clear, and for those who didn't see it live, from what I understand, this strangle, this chokehold happened before the first point was scored between the Wolves, the Timberwolves, and the uh, Golden State Warriors. So this is the beginning of the game. Fight breaks out. Draymond Green chokes Rudy Gobert like this, pulls him back. Eventually, they pry his arms off his neck. And I just thought, what a what a, 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 a publicized use of a rear strangle for the world to see and go, wow, that's real. People grab each other like that. What could I do in a situation like that? 
So I wanted to share some critical do's and don'ts, but first just go through the physiology of what's happening here so people understand. So this is called a rear naked choke or a sleeper hold or a vascular neck restraint in law enforcement, as you know. So the arms are coming around the neck. My elbow is aligning under Cameron's chin with my forearm on either side of his neck. Forearm on one, forearm on one side, bicep on the other. And then there's finishing grips I can do palm to palm, which is called gable grip. I can grab my own wrist the way uh, wrist, the way Draymond Green did, or we can go into what's called the fully locked rear naked choke. And at this point, I'm squeezing the arteries, and in six seconds, Dan, he'll be rendered unconscious. So six seconds of unobstructed pressure on the arteries. Blood flow is affected to and from the brain. You pass out. If someone lets go, you wake up spontaneously in a few seconds. If the subject doing the technique does not let go after you pass out, and they hold the pressure for anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds or more, you risk causing irreversible brain damage or death. So continuous occlusion of the arteries here in the neck for 30 seconds or more starts to get in really, really sketchy waters. You don't wanna mess with that ever. Typically, neck restraints are very safe and if someone passes out, they'll wake up. However, if you hold it for a prolonged period of time after the loss of consciousness is reached, there's risk of irreversible brain damage or death. So if you're in Cameron's position, there's no way you can let someone keep hold of your arteries for that long. And in the NBA there, he had pressure and he was going for a good like three to five seconds. Now his pressure is, was not perfect. There were small gaps on the side of the application, which allowed for blood flow. But if you get, if any of the viewers or listeners gets caught in this situation in a real life threat, you need to know what to do because you literally have six seconds before your clock runs out and you're unconscious. And then what happens after you lose consciousness is up to the attacker, right? You don't have any control in that matter. So. For this technique, when you're getting squeezed right here, what we want to do is a technique called the shoulder slip, where he's going to slip his shoulder between our bodies, and now Cameron is facing me, just like that. Now, even though I still have his neck, Dan, I'm on one side of the neck, and that's not enough to plug the arteries to cause the loss of consciousness. Go back, Cameron. So once again, if I'm here, what Cameron's going to do is the side of my arm that is wrapping his neck, so my right arm in this case, Cameron's same arm is going to slide between, I'll turn sideways to the S and C. Look, his same arm is going to slide between our bodies. Look at that. And hug my body. Go back. So, and his legs go a little wider for us, Cole. So his legs, check out his feet. So in order to make that possible, Cameron's going to step forward with his left foot and that creates space for his right foot to step through. And then his shoulder goes through and now I no longer have it. So even if I'm holding very tightly, Dan, in this situation, even if I'm fully locked in, Cameron can still do this. And even though it's going to squeeze his neck a little bit, he's going to get a little neck crank. Even though that's true, he's going to survive because the pressure on his arteries is alleviated. And now keep the clinch, Cameron. Here, the guy might try to punch you or push you, and then he can push away and escape or take me down to the ground if he has an option. Now, here's the, the warning for everyone watching right now. If I do the same technique and Cameron does the exact same move, but he goes the wrong way and shoulder slips this way, freeze. Not only does it not get out, he'll actually get squeezed more quickly and he's gonna go to sleep even faster. So this is called a bulldog choke. You do not want this to happen. So if I have his neck right here and Cameron steps forward and goes the wrong way, again, freeze. This is a very dangerous choke, it's very tight and six seconds turns into three or four when you go here because of how tight it is, he's unconscious. So let's go back. So Cameron has to remember. Which way does he go? Same side arm as the choking arm. Cameron's same arm as my arm. That's the arm that he's going to slip through with and dip the shoulder coming right between our bodies, entering the clinch, and at this point, either take me down or disengage and get to safety. Now, Henner, you, the most important takeaway I get from that 
is if you're caught, God forbid, in this position where your carotids are being restrained, blood flow shutting down, you realistically, I've seen guys go out probably have less than six seconds, maybe three or four. You're out. You're out. He could be smashing a bottle on your head. You've seen it in these horrible street fight videos. They're kicking him in the teeth. Guy wakes up. He's got no teeth, a broken face. You, If you're going to do this, you have to make that move relatively quickly or that computer's going to lock down pretty fast. That's absolutely right, Dan. And listen, when I showed the mount techniques earlier where we were talking about hip pressure and that and this, you can learn the move quickly. Everyone can do it in their living rooms today. Like you can lay down and practice hip pressure. And this move as well with the neck wrapped and a cooperative partner, you could learn how to slip your shoulder and face the subject and free your neck in a matter of seconds. But you're right, Dan, in the moment where situation is hostile, maybe you're suffering an amygdala hijack. Maybe your brain is not in the PFC, prefrontal cortex. You're panicking and you're trying to get this hand off your neck. You're absolutely right that you're going to panic for a few seconds. What we need to hope what we hope for is that before that six-second clock runs out, that you've effectively identified your escape pathway and you've started that move. And I'll tell you what, Dan, like anything else, and like what you alluded to earlier, it's only possible if this is muscle memory. Your body has right. to learn that this is the only thing it does. The same way you flinch when someone touches your eyes, you're just automatic. When someone wraps your neck, you just shoulder slip. And what's awesome, if we cut a little bit here, check this out, is that even if I'm kneeling and Cameron wraps my neck, look, I'm just getting strangled in a street fight and he's behind me. Maybe I'm not standing up and I don't have all the footwork, but this exact same concept, look, my shoulder's out, my shoulder is out. Now I lay down, he might end up on top of me, but look, he's no longer strangling my neck. Right. Even though I'm on the bottom, I'm alive, I'm conscious. Right. So that was the shoulder slip applied in a situation where we're kneeling. Or let's say Cameron's off to my side over here. And he wraps my neck with his front arm and he's strangling me. Look, it's this, go to your knee. It's the same concept right here. He could be squeezing. My shoulder has slipped out. I'm out. So once you understand, uh, Dan, that when someone strangles you, the fight is not here. This is not the fight, Dan. The fight is here. I'm out. I'm out. My shoulder's free. I'm free. Look, you see? Right. So that's going to be the challenge for people learning is that they think the fight is the ch choke. It's not. The fight is the orientation of the attacker's chest on our back. And once we change the orientation, the chest to back connection, by slipping the shoulder and turning facing the subject, we completely melt away the effectiveness of the choke. The yeah. problem is people typically respond to that which is doing the damage. So when you're getting strangled at your neck, you think right. the response needs to be at the neck. No, forget the neck defend the chest to back connection. And just one more tangent on this. This is why that if I'm on Cameron's back in a fight, look at this, this is called hooks, Dan, when I put my hooks in like this. Right. So now because I go for a choke here and I have my hooks, now Cameron cannot do the shoulder slip because of my legs. Look, so no matter where Cameron goes, <laughs> give us a little right. movement, Cam. look, no matter where he goes now, he cannot affect, he cannot affect my chest to back connection and the fight's over. So yeah. the point I'm making is this, if an expert jujitsu master or practitioner of a few months who knows this move gets on your back and inserts their hooks and applies the choke, they are preserving the integrity of the chest to back connection. And therefore you can't do the shoulder slip. You need another move, which we're going to show in next week's podcast. But the point is, if you have hooks in, it negates the shoulder slip. 
But for the general public's purposes and for the NBA purposes and for just general self-defense, Dan, we're not talking about expert jujitsu chokes. We're talking about Draymond Green on right. your neck trying to strangle you. And all you need to know is shoulder slip. Shoulder splits, man. I, I took out of this, uh, you know, uh, the Wu-Tang lesson, protect your neck. I mean, that was it. So Wu-Tang Clan was on this years ago in that rap song. Let's jump into this last one, Henner. Uh, and this is a really important one. This is a man in a pharmacy, uh, mental problems, I don't know. Uh, looks like he's trying to abduct what is a 13-year-old girl. Want to play the video or thoughts, uh, your thoughts on the other side of this. Let's take a look. Watch as a man grabs a 13-year-old girl, then drags her through the Dollar General located just outside of Tampa. You can see her fighting back, her mother running after, hanging on to her, even laying on top of her to save her daughter. What you can't hear is the screaming. Citrus County deputies say the girl, her mom, and the store manager were shouting for help. Deputy Jonathan Bainan was off duty and just happened to be right outside. He stopped this man, Craig Bonello, from getting away. In the seconds before the attack, the video shows Bonello pushing a cart. He looks around, then goes straight for the girl. Again, her mother doesn't miss a beat. Now, Henner, I have uh, two young daughters. Uh, this is the segment I was looking forward to the most. I obviously saw the video in advance. Again, I have no idea what you're going to say about it. But I need some tips because this is every parent's absolute worst nightmare. Thank God that parent and that police officer were there. What can we take away from this video? Yeah, thanks, Dan. Love to break it down for us. Um, so here's the deal, you guys. The Gracie Combatives Program, our general self-defense program, uh, many of the other techniques we saw are just from a generic self-defense for any man, any woman. Just wants to, If you, someone's attacking you, protect yourself. That's our core beginner co-ed self-defense program, Gracie Combatives. Anyone can learn about it at gracieuniversity.com. The techniques that we're gonna need for this incident right here are part of our women's self-defense program called Women Empowered. Now, if anyone out there is interested in their wife, daughter, sister, mom, grandma, anyone learning self-defense, females learning self-defense, Women Empowered is the way to go. And this particular technique, Dan, we call the drag defense. Right, so you're being dragged against your will on the floor in a direction you don't want to go. And let me just reenact it because it's a little fuzzy, but I want to show you what actually happened. Cole will follow us this way and check this out. He's holding my wrist right here. Look, and as he's dragging me, freeze. The, the girl was trying to sit up and do this. And every time she sat up, pull me again. She got pulled back down. Sit up, pulled back down. So you can see how mathematically I can't sit up because every time I do, I'm losing my balance in the rear here. So when we teach drag defenses in the Women in Power program, the first thing we teach, Dan, is you have to get your legs in the fight. So if I'm down and Cameron is pulling right here, watch what I'm going to do. Connect, look, pivot, and wedge. Now I can free my wrist and boom, kick one, kick two. I can scoot away, use my legs, and then eventually get back to my feet. So the key here is how I got my legs in the fight. Let me show how I did that. So we'll just kind of pause frame right here, freeze. Step one, hook your own forearm with your other hand. I hook my forearm. Step two, take this leg over here and reach for Cameron's arm. I come up, I connect, and I pivot. Right away, my legs are now in the fight, and Cameron's ability to pull me is greatly reduced, not to mention I can easily free my wrist. So that's very easy to grab my own hand and pry my hand right out. From here now, what do we have, Dan? This is called the guard, and the guard is one of the favorite and secret weapons of jujitsu. 
because from here my legs prevent him from reaching my face. So he's out of range. If I need to, I can pull him in and I can even wrap him up and like use my guard. There are things I can do. I can do arm bars. I can do triangles. I can submit him from the bottom of the fight from the bottom because of my legs, all because I got my legs in the fight. So if Cameron stands back up and we land in this position here, one option is to pull him in. The other option is to kick, boom, up kick, axe kick, boom, to the body, to the knee, and then force the separation so I can get up and get back to my feet. Or what might also happen is after we spin around, so I'm here, I put my hand here. Now, side note, if you don't feel like you have the mobility to bring this leg and touch the forearm right here, if you don't feel like you have this ability, right, when you practice it at home right now, ladies and gentlemen, no problem. Just do it this way. Look, just literally take your feet and run them on the mat and pivot around and now do the exact same thing. Now, what if I do this and Cameron grabs my ankles and he starts pulling me away and dragging out? Look, look. Take him, take him, take him away. Take him away and you're gone. So it could go, it's possible, Dan, that it goes from a wrist drag into an ankle drag midway through the attack. That's not impossible, right? It's, it's plausible. Right. So once we pivot around, after we make our turn, if he grabs both ankles, freeze right here. Here's how we get, because most people, when they get their ankles grabbed, they'll just do this. They'll just kick. And the problem is, Cameron, keep going. He's just going to keep taking me. I'm not going to get out of that. Now watch this. Hold tight, Cameron. Check this out, you guys. Hold tighter, tighter, tighter. Keep it here. Keep with it. Look, I'm out. And now, boom, one, two, three, four. He lets go. He doesn't want any more to do with that. So one more time. So when we talk about wrist drags, wrist drags, the technique is to pivot around and get our feet in the fight. When we talk about ankle drags, Dan, the key is to create tension. So one foot is going to push. One foot is going to pull. So I'm stretching. I'm pulling. And now with that stretch, look what I do. I kick north. Pop with that leg. So Cameron can't hold it. And now I can up kick, boom, axe kick, boom, to the body, to the knee, and create further separation. So the point is, get your legs in the fight. And once your legs are in the fight, use them. If the person starts dragging by your ankles, create tension, push and pull, kick one leg out to the north because the attacker can't hold it with all that tension. If you're going to cut a rope, what's the first thing you do? Pull it tight. And then yeah. once you pull it tight, then what? You slice. And it pops. Amazing. I, I, I've never thought that deeply about being dragged out. I really, I, I was curious. I mean, I, you know, practiced for 15 years. I never thought of that. That is really incredible. Um, Henrik, one last point on this, and then it's Black Friday, and I want people to find out how they can get in touch with Gracie University, learn more. Uh, this is just the beginning. Um, but just, I, I know you did a segment with me on Fox once. You need to stay out of that individual's car no matter what. You cannot get it. If they're dragging you into a car, ladies and gentlemen, it is legitimately life or death. You need to stay out of that car no matter what. In fact, uh, Dan, what I would even say to that is when we bring in weapons to the equation, this is how serious not getting in the car is. When we talk about weapon defenses, which we do address in our Women Empowered program, let's say someone has a knife in your neck right, or a gun pointed at your back and says, get in the car and I won't kill you. Analyze that for a second. They have a knife, you're in the parking garage, get in the car and I won't kill you. Simple logic says, I want to live. So I should cooperate because they have a weapon and I don't want to die, right? That's simple logic. The problem with that logic is that it presumes integrity on behalf of the attacker. Let's think about this for a second. 
And if this man had integrity or woman had integrity, what's the probability that they would be holding a gun or a knife at your neck, <laughs> forcing you into a car against your will? Right. right so right. this idea of if I listen to him, maybe he won't hurt me. That's the problem is that that you can't even take that for being truthful. So our advice by and large, and this comes at the, at the recommendation of law enforcement professionals who statistically have identified that once you leave the primary crime scene, chances of recovery drop dramatically, right? The chance of survival, once you leave the primary point of contact, drops dramatically. If you get in the car, if you get into the house, if you get into the, whatever the situation is, once you're in isolation and you're no longer in public view where someone could potentially render aid or assistance in that situation, chance of recovery goes down dramatically. So for us, the blanket advice we give here, Dan, is yeah. rule number one, don't go. No, we just don't go. So our point, our logic is, if you're willing to hurt me in a parking lot, when I resist getting into the car, then you're almost certainly willing to hurt me in isolation when no one's there to help me. Yeah, yeah great point. So, I'm so, our, glad you so said our advice that. is don't go. And now sometimes what that means, Dan, and this is just a good tip because again, for all of those kids, daughters, sons, anybody, whoever has to deal with a situation like this, you might tell yourself, oh, he has a gun to my neck or a knife to my neck and I'm going to, I'm going to cooperate. But my mindset is one of resistance. My mindset is one of don't go. So you might get into the car that maybe it's your car. Maybe your car, he's telling you, forcing you into your own vehicle. So you get into your car, but you know your vehicle and you know that at the first turn, you're going to open the door because you know the locks and you're going to jump right out. So even that is strategically not going. So that's just still the same mindset. It's just a different strategy of execution. Or you might say, no, I'm going to die before I get into this car right now. No matter what, I'm going to fight for my life right here, right now. And if I get hurt, hopefully someone's here to help. That's yeah. one option. The other option is more strategically, I'm going to get in, but the second he stops at a stop sign or a red light, I'm going to jump out of this car, roll down the window, I'm going to roll out into the street and survive the way I have to survive. So either one of those is acceptable, but the mindset has to be, do not go to your point. And what we covered in that Fox segment so long ago, you cannot get taken from the primary crime scene. Anything you do is worth it. And what, I, what I'd say this, what I would say about children is this, Dan, you parents have to give your children permission to break all the rules when it comes to survival. Kids are taught to be polite. Kids are taught to not to stir up a scene. Kids are taught not to yell back, not to disrespect, not to anything. And then when it comes in a survival situation and they clam up and they do nothing, people wonder why. You want to tell your kids repeatedly and like every three to six months, you wanna have these talks to remind them that listen, the world's a safe place, but there are some bad people in the safe place. And if one of those bad people gets a hold of you, we want you to know that nothing you do is wrong. Anything to hurt them and anything to stay safe and to survive that situation, we support you, we love you, and all we want is for you to be safe. If your kid doesn't hear you say that, don't expect them to know that just because you know it. Yeah, practical advice. Uh, well said, Henner. Uh, Henner, I'll turn over the end of the show to you. I know it's uh, Black Friday. How can people get in touch with Gracie University? And I know you've got some other things out there as well you're working on. Sure. Yeah. For any listeners or for viewers who are intrigued by the idea of learning self-defense, basic self-defense, such that you feel safer in your own skin and you feel capable of intervening 
in an altercation where someone's life might be at stake and you want to provide assistance, you can do so in a way that is safe for you and safe for the subject that you're controlling. Uh, You can learn all of our programs at gracieuniversity.com. This is our interactive online learning center where people are learning jujitsu, over 400,000 members learning from home in their garage, in their living room, in a bedroom, anywhere there's an open floor space with a little bit of padding on it, a little bit of carpet, a little bit of something, you can learn jujitsu. And the best part is, Dan, that these techniques that you're learning on your own from home, you can every so often during certain milestones, you can send in videos demonstrating the skills that you're learning so that we can give you feedback on the material that you've learned thus far. So it really is a full circle communication. You're not just learning from us, you're actually learning with us and we're providing time code specific feedback on your performance every step of the way. And uh, we have students learning from their homes, garages all over the world. We love it. Anyone out there, Gracie Bullyproof for children. Parents, we teach you how to teach your child in that program. Women Empowered for the women. Amazing for the daughters, sisters, moms, whoever it is, a little self-defense. It's only 20 techniques for Women Empowered. Basics, but every woman should know this. And then Gracie Combatants is our co-ed beginner program that is based on the work we did with military and law enforcement for so many years. Our thought was, how can we teach someone to learn self-defense in the least amount of time? So we created a 36 lesson program called Gracie Combatives, and that also is available on Gracie University. But what's why, and all of these are on sale right now because it's Black Friday, it's 25% off all of our courses. So anyone who's listening, who's excited to learn self-defense, give the gift of self-defense this holiday season, check it out at gracieuniversity.com. Now, if you have no interest in your personal safety, I have some other ideas for you. (laughs) No offense. No offense. So Dan, check this out. This is my new favorite Gracie hoodie right here. So this is available at gracieuniversity.com as well. Amazing Gracie hoodie. But more important than the hoodie here that I want to show you is the extent to which this hoodie does something special. So you're doing jujitsu, you're jogging around, living life, having fun, and you get hot. So this hoodie comes off. Right. And normally when you take off your favorite hoodie, what do you do with it? You tie it around your waist in fanny pack style as some of your viewers already know and are guilty of themselves. Yeah, and then you too. live it with this fanny pack. Hopefully it doesn't fall off because sometimes it falls off on the bench and literally you lose it forever and it's gone. Yeah, Hopefully it doesn't fall off. But even if it doesn't fall off, it gets wet on the bench. It's not really functional. You wish you left it in the car, but check this out. Not today. You simply hold your hoodie upside down. You reach inside the secret pouch on the inside. Look, you tuck it inside itself, one turn, and your favorite hoodie turns into your favorite backpack. And this goes on. You can put stuff inside the backpack. It's called Quick Flip Apparel. You can get it at quickflipapparel.com. And look at this right here. We have these little special clips right here that you can slide and bite at any height. And once you clip these on, now you can run, bike, hike, parkour, jujitsu. No matter what, (laughs) that backpack is not coming off my back. So quickflipapparel.com, you guys. We have all kinds of colors. We have rain jackets. We have windbreakers. We have hoodies, pullovers, zip hoodies. Anything you can, and when you're done, look, reach inside, one pull, and your hoodie is back just in time for the cold, you guys. This Gracie Hannah, one is a special one we, we made for Gracie, but the quickflipapparel.com, there is no Gracie branding on them. They're all just quick flip hoodies, and you guys can get hooked up there as well. Talk to me, Dan. Was this the thing you, uh, was this the item on Shark Tank you did? That's exactly it was, right. right. So this was on Shark Tank. That was crazy, Dan. It blew up. We went on Shark Tank in 2018. <laughs> it was amazing for our business. And the crazy part that happened there, Dan, is yeah. originally we were just selling quick flips, direct to consumer, blank quick flips of different garment types. And then corporations started reaching out. All kinds of big movie studios, Warner Brothers, Intel, Google, Amazon, oh. Samsung, you name it, Universal Studios, Disneyland. A lot of corporations wanted custom quick flips 
for their organization's entity. And we would put their logos and their brands on them. So if there's anyone out there, any organization, team, sport, school, that wants custom quick flips, like we've done here for my other business, for Gracie. So Quick Flip made these for Gracie custom so that we can sell these to our Gracie customers. So anyone out there who wants to do custom Quick Flips, we can do yeah, that as well. You did All it for us on the Fox show. You did it for us. We got the unfiltered click. quick I did flips. it for the unfiltered truth. Yeah. Exactly. Let me spell out the website for our audio audience. It's quick, Q-U-I-K, Q-U-I-K, flip, F-L-I-P, apparel, A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com, quick, flip, apparel, Dot com. Check it out. They are super cool. He sent me one well, for my Fox show. I still have it. It's awesome. Henner, uh, that was really an honor. I really appreciate you coming out. I see you got this. I saw on Instagram. I did. You Dan, had this on Instagram the other day, and right? Because it's Black Friday, Dan. I have to do this one because I'm telling you right now, this thing is going crazy. How many times <laughs> have you flown? Unless you're flying private jet flatbed. Let's be honest. We're all working on it, right? We're all working on our private jets. But until we get there, what are we doing? We're packed in the back of the airplane like sardines. Yeah. You have your little neck pillow with your button. You put this on. And I'll be honest, Dan, what happens when you pass out? You, you break your neck. Bobblehead. It's called bobblehead syndrome or BS. This happens to every traveler everywhere in the world all the time. And I'm telling you, Dan, I was traveling the world teaching law enforcement like you said, Secret Service, local, state, federal, military, traveling so many <laughs> weeks out of the month that yeah. I got tired of bobblehead because if I could arrive rested on the flight, everything changed. And what's so wild is all the pillows on the market suck. We got that one. We got this weird toilet bowl looking one that wraps around and chokes you basically. <laughs> it's a joke. Look at this. This is the solution in America, Dan. You're supposed to hug this. Believe it's not. A, it's not a cat carrier. Look at this. What is you're that? Not, Looks like a Star Wars this, droid. Inside the hole. Looks like R two D two. Completely falls apart. It's an absolute <laughs> joke. So, Dan, I applied my jujitsu skills, my yes, jujitsu DNA. I've seen this, and I jujitsued the travel pillow industry <laughs> with a product called the sleeper hold. Pun very much intended. Sleeperhold.com, you guys. So you take on this nifty little bag. Look, nifty little bag. You take out the strap. Check this out. Comes with a simple little strap. Let me show you how this works. You're not going to believe this, you guys. Look right here. Come in close, Cole, so they can see. So it's a simple little strap. There's a little top label on it right here. You don't need to see that. Look, this goes behind the headrest. And these adjustable headrests come standard on almost all long-haul flights these days. So when you're going to fly a flight that matters, a longer flight, you're going to want to sleep. Look at this. You take it here. You loop it around. It takes two seconds. You buckle this guy in, and we are in. That lives there for the remainder of the flight. So this is called our anchor point. You don't have to touch that anymore. Now, check this out, you guys. I go back into my nifty little bag, and I reach in, and I grab the face mask. Now, I'm going to go close just so you guys can see some textures here. And Cole's going to ride with me. Look at the texture. Look at the suede. Like, it's a padded, <laughs> very soft mask right here uh, with gumbo sides and metal hooks. Now, watch this, Dan. I'm going to bring you right back. Look, yeah. look, look. You take this nifty little eye mask. And you basically hook it onto this mask. The hook goes right onto the strap that's already there. One and two. Look, these Velcro straps are fully adjustable for different head sizes. Once you hook on your mask, look, it's just anchored onto that. And this sits to the rear and it lives right here. Now, last but not least, look at this. You go inside and you grab this beautiful contoured microbead neck pillow and you sit down. Check it out. You're not going to believe this, Dan. This guy goes in. You adjust it perfectly into position. I'm going to reach up, look up, and Dan, 
adjust for your head sight perfectly. <laughs> and Dan, bobblehead is impossible. <laughs> so right now I'm completely relaxing my cervical muscles and there's no head bobbing. Like it's impossible. I'm just perfectly nested in here for the best seated sleep of my life. If I want to watch a movie, I just lift up this right here. Dan, I have perfect head support while I watch the movie. And the crazy part is the only thing worse than falling asleep on a plane is falling asleep, but then to be woken up while you're sleeping. Let's say you have a few finally passed out and the lady comes by and she starts shaking you, right? And she's like, wake up, it's mealtime. And all you're thinking is like, yo, I don't need mealtime right now. I need to sleep. You right, shouldn't have waken me up. Double leg on her. <laughs> Cole, come on closer. Check this out. Come in closer. <laughs> show him, Cole. Show him, Cole. Do not disturb, Dan. You put this right here on the mask. Look at this. This goes on the mask right here. So now when I pull down, I got my do not disturb, Dan. No one's going to wake me up. I sleep for five hours at a time when I fly across the country. And then, of course, if you are hungry. Wake for food. This may be better than the jujitsu demonstration. I don't know. <laughs> Dan, I'm going to send you one. I'm going to send you one. But listen to me. Please. For the rest of America, sleeperhold.com. Sleeperhold.com. It's unbelievable how this is changing in-flight sleep. People, Dan, people are going to our website, ordering the pillow, and then leaving reviews saying that they've never slept on a plane. And she's a travel agent. She's been doing this for 25 years. She's never slept on a plane. She orders the sleeper hold, and now she's sleeping for three to five hours at a time on any long-haul flight. Lifesaver is the number one gift this holiday season, and it's only available at sleeperhold.com. Please make, wake me up when you guys are done. Uh, Guy wants one too, Henner. Can you send two? Guy, my producer, wants one. He sleeps on planes all the time, flying back and forth with his Dungeons and Dragons. Deal. Torn flesh and blood. I'm sending, two to, the Dan Bongi- <laughs> I'm sending two to the Dan Bongino Sleeper show. Hold. Everybody else, go to sleeperhold.com right now. They're up to 50% off for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So if you miss this sale, all I'm going to say is you slept when you shouldn't have. Henner, you're the best. Thank you, brother. Can we do this again sometimes? I'm sure we're going to get an amazing feedback. We'd really appreciate it. We love you, man. I've that was so it, great. And if your audience liked the breakdown of the self-defense segments, there's no shortage. Thousands of self-defense situations that have yet to be broken down on the Dan Bongino show. And coming yeah. back at any time would be my pleasure. You're the best. Thank you, my friend. And to everyone else, we so deeply appreciate you tuning in. I really hope you learned some uh, life-saving advice from this. Go check out Gracie University. And uh, the great part about watching this on Rumble is you can go back and rewind it. And uh, as always, make sure you're medically prepared for this stuff. Don't get anybody hurt. Uh, Don't get ahead of yourself there. But uh, check this stuff out. We want to do this. We'll be doing a lot more of it. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I will see you back on the podcast on Monday. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show.